Hi, everyone. Welcome to Parenting Portal. My name is Joanna Port. I am a mom of four to Zoe, Levi, Ruby, and Ray, and I am the director at Crestwood Hills Preschool in Los Angeles. This podcast is a guided discussion between me and an expert in the field of parenting. Today's episode is called Raising a Self-Reliant Child, and I am with Betsy Brown Braun. Self-reliance is that sense of I can do itness. Parents undermine children's acquiring of self-reliance. Well, we're not raising children. We're raising adults. They're already children. Betsy is the author of Just Tell Me What to Say and You're Not the Boss of Me. She's a child development and behavior specialist parent educator, multiple birth parenting consultant, she has triplets, and the founder of Parenting Pathways. Betsy has over 40 years of experience in public and private early childhood and elementary education. She has directed and founded school programs, taught in both public and private schools, has been a school director, and was the founding director of Wilshire Boulevard Temple's Early Childhood Center. Betsy and her husband, Ray Braun, are parents of adult triplets and grandparents of four so far. Well, six. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) She has six grandkids. Yes. Fun. Another time we'll do an episode on grandparenting. How about that? That will be great. (laughs) Teaching self-reliance. What do you mean? Self-reliance is that sense of I can do it-ness. that we hope most of our children, all of our children, will take with them as they become adults. Because you really do need self-reliance in order to function in the world. And self-reliance holds hands with resilience Mm -hmm. in order to become resilient. And most parents want their kids to be resilient, because how else are you going to handle all the curveballs that life really will throw your way Mm -hmm. unless you're self-reliant? Self-reliance is that sense of being able to count on yourself, mm-hmm. to make things happen, to f- it makes you feel like you you matter, that your ideas count, that you could accomplish things. Mm-hmm. So that's my sense of self-reliance. Quite honestly, Joanna, I think it's the number one most important trait. Yeah, that in which we can, with which we can help our kids to grow. It is so true. And it seems like it's real talked about right now and hot topic. And I'm so happy about that. Like mm-hmm. that it's, that it's an, a, an open discussion. It just seems like everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants it. It's- but not many are sure how to do mm-hmm. it. And not many parents are really, it's mm-hmm. hard to, to make the moves, to do the things that enable your kids to be self-reliant because yeah. sometimes it will make them unhappy. Yeah. And parents, seem to have a really hard time having an unhappy child. They do. Yeah. They do. I see that a lot. When can you start to teach self-reliance? Like what age? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got this nursery school and you've got toddlers. Mm-hmm. And I I really believe that once a child starts crawling yeah. is when we begin the big first stages of not teaching self-reliance, because you don't teach it, but you you build it. It's scaffolding. It comes very slowly, one step at a time. When your child is crawling and wants to reach something, and you push it closer so he can reach it, that's undermining self-reliance. 
if you make it, I don't mean that you shouldn't put it closer, but when you take away from him the work Mm. that is needed in order for him to reach that thing that crawling toddler is trying to reach, you're undermining his ability to figure out how to do it and therefore start the self-reliance thing and that feeling that says, I can do that. Yeah. And we override that because we so don't want them to be upset. Like we push the toy because we're like, oh, don't get upset. As opposed to, wait a minute. Or troubled. Right. Mm -hmm. When I try to explain this to parents, sometimes I say the only way that you can become immune, that you can build Mm. immunities, is by getting sick. You know that in nursery school. I love that. Kids have to get really sick in order to not get sick. I love that analogy. So children have, you have to have trouble in order to not have trouble. Right. And you know... What Dr. Spock, I don't mean the guy with the ears. I, I mean our yes, Benjamin the Spock. The big book. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it, there's yeah. lots in it that's still yeah. valuable. But yeah. one of the things that Benjamin Spock said is that a child who has not been bandaged has not been well-parented. Right. Meaning, of course, kids have to fall down, have a hard time, make mistakes, be unhappy they in to order struggle. to not be all of that correct. To learn. Yeah. It's so true. What can hinder or even hurt teaching self-reliance? Like what, like what things can get in the way? I think it's a really important mm-hmm. question and an important thing to think about. In order to figure out how do we help kids be self-reliant, we have to think about how do we get in the way of their being self-reliant? Mm-hmm. A little bit like the immunity and the sickness thing again. Yeah. Parents undermine children's acquiring of self-reliance by feeling that they can't do it. So there are certain things that get in the way, but, okay, for example, hurrying is the enemy of self-reliance. Put your jacket on, we're going, oh, here, just bring it to me, we're going to be late, let me put it on, I'll do it for you. Or, oh, stop complaining, just give it to me, I'll do it. Hurrying undermines self-reliance. Frustration undermines self-reliance. Lousy local conditions, which is another Betsy phrase, which you can use as long as you credit me. Lousy local conditions is when the environment sabotages someone's ability to be his best self to do the right thing. So if you're in a hurry, if you're hungry, if you're in a bad mood, Mm -hmm. whatever, it's lousy local conditions, Mm -hmm. and it gets in the way of your doing whatever. I mean, it's the reason that children are icky between four and seven. It's lousy local conditions. Yeah. So we, another time we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> but that lousy local conditions do contribute to an, uh, the undermining of cultivating self-reliance. Um, parents worrying that their children will not be able to do it to their satisfaction. Mm-hmm. By the way, teachers too mm-hmm. That's, um, mm-hmm. do that same thing by maybe, oh, here, let me fix that for you. Let me help you with that. That doesn't give the child the sense that he can do it or even give him the willingness to want to do it. Yeah. One of the things that's really important about this question is the result of undermining self-reliance is not only that you're undermining self-reliance, but it's the message that your child gets when you don't allow your child to do what it is you're asking him to do or expecting him to do. If you step in, mm-hmm. the child gets a message that I can't do it. Yeah. So why should I try? Or I'm not going to do it well enough for you. Or you're not going to like what I'm doing. Right. So 
another saboteur on the road to self-reliance. And if you're repeatedly doing that consistently, it really can be impact, have an impact. Yes. You know, I mean, occasionally we lose it and we can't be centered as a parent, but if it's a lot, it can really affect like them feeling that good sense of themselves and feeling yes. like they can do. So let me give you a great example yeah. for, for anybody who has a nursery school age child who may be listening. Although this podcast, this yes. topic is applicable from a year old, eight months old to 40. Yes. <laughs> I know plenty of adults who are still <laughs> enabling their children so that they have never cultivated self-reliance. So true. For a nursery school family, we have our wooden puzzles that have maybe four or five pieces in them. Some have handles, some don't yeah. for the first puzzles. And a, and a parent or a teacher may give it to the child to do, and the child is having trouble doing the puzzle. So maybe the parent watches the child struggle mm-hmm. and moves the piece around a little bit so it's almost turned around to a better position. Yeah. And then the child fumbles with it a little more, and he can't do it. Oh, I can't do it. And then the parent moves it a little bit more, and the child tries, and he still can't do it. So finally, the parent moves it so it's just on the precipice, just on the tip of the place into which the piece needs to go. Mm-hmm. And so all the child really needs to do is blow on it and it'll right. fall into place. And so he, the child, parent sets it up, the child puts it in, and the mother goes, yay, you did it, you did it, and finishes the whole puzzle. And the child kind of looks at you and walks away. The child who has not been guided or enabled to do the puzzle, who works so hard and the, and the parent says, oh, look at how hard you're working, or wow, you lined up the straight piece with the straight side, or you found the purple and you matched it with the purple, or whatever it is, and the child struggles and struggles mm-hmm. and finally gets it in. And the parent says, wow, you did it. You know what that child does? He doesn't get up and walk away. He takes that puzzle, as you've seen many times, he turns it upside down and all the pieces come out, and he does it again. Why? Because <laughs> yeah. he knows he can do it again. Yeah. He's self-reliant. Yeah. So that's a very good example of the way, by the way, teachers yeah. and parents undermine children's self-reliance yeah. or their ability to cultivate the ability to do something and say, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. That's what self-reliance is. It's, it's a feeling true. of, I can do it. So true. And they, when you feel, when the child feels that feeling, then they want to do it over and over and over again. And then they get more masterful and they learn that doing and it, you learn by doing and doing and doing. I mean, that's what I've found. Yes. Is just letting them be a little uncomfortable or even a lot uncomfortable, but a little uncomfortable leads to learning. But the learning isn't right away, but it takes that kind of uncomfortableness to like even get to the, a piece of the learning. Well, you, yeah. you're you so right on with that because yeah. you've heard so many times from everybody that it's through our mistakes and our troubles that we learn the most. I yeah. mean, you know, it's, it's, what you, it's the lemonade that you make out of the lemons that has the strongest, most powerful lesson. Um, if you ask a child or anybody, tell me something that was easy for you to do. Yeah. Or tell me, you know, they'll, they'll pause and have to think, well, oh, I don't know, you know. But if you say, what was something that you did that was hard? Yeah. What did you have to work at? They always remember it. Yeah. The things that people have to work on that have, you know, where they were maybe unhappy or miserable or whatever, and then succeed. And that's how self-esteem is built, by working Mm -hmm. hard and accomplishing. It's (laughs) Yes, true. Not built by somebody saying, oh, you look so pretty today. Right. It's not what self-esteem is about. So on top of that, um, we know that 
our kids are going to encounter lots of disappointments, lots of frustrations, lots of unhappiness, lots of challenges, lots of problems, lots of failures. It's our job to teach them how to manage that because yeah. it's that's where the resilience is going to come into play. But it's so hard for us as parents to see our kids experience any of those things. Mm-hmm. It hurts a parent. And it's that hurt that's so hard for us to see that undermines our ability to let them learn mm-hmm. to become self-reliant. Yeah. You know, it's it's very interesting that I often say to parents, it seems to me that you are reparenting yourself mm-hmm. in the way you're handling your child. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a parent whose who's own parent was never there for him when he needed him. Maybe he was a latchkey kid. I don't know, something like right. that. But because that was so hard for him, and he remembers that feeling, he's going to always be there for his child because he knows how that feels yeah. when someone isn't there for you. You could We could fill in any number of examples yeah. of this. But the fact is, it's the parent is reparenting himself by overgiving to the child and actually putting the child in a disadvantageous position. Mm-hmm. He may be making himself feel better, but he's not helping his child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I see it with men, and I see it with women. Yeah, it's across so the it's board. So it's not gender specific at no. all. Definitely. Yeah. And by the way, that enmeshment is important. And it's it's how we, you know, that attachment, that string that attaches us, that invisible string yes. that attaches us is is very, very important. It 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 helps us to support our kids, but it is a saboteur. Mm-hmm. It does get in the way of our letting our kids be unhappy. Um I often hear, not I often hear, but I have heard parents say, you know, I have so little time with my child. I work so hard. Mm. I get home at night. I don't want to hear him unhappy. Mm. I don't want to spend my time with my kid crying. Oh my God, I hear that too. And what they don't understand is he's only going to be unhappy once or twice. Right. Because then he'll figure out how to do it or he'll get what, he'll understand what he needs to do in order to make this not happen. Tolerate your kid's unhappiness. Mm Mm-hmm. Several things are important about that, not only the self-reliance that gets cultivated, but the idea that you're not supposed to be unhappy, that your child picks up on this, that my daddy will save me, that my mommy will make it all better, my mommy will fix it. That just says to the child, okay, I'm not supposed to be unhappy. Ever. Yeah, it's true. Right. And that that is can be very detrimental to grow up like that, to think that Life is like never unhappy and never, right. no unhappiness. Well, we're not raising yeah. children. Yeah. We're raising adults. Uh-huh. They're already children. Yeah. So we have to keep in mind, what? how do I want you to be able to be in the world? And yeah. self-reliance is at the top of that list. Yeah. You want to be able to take care of things. I'm not saying emotionally. Yeah. I'm talking about the business of life. Yeah. Of everyday life. Yeah. It emotionally, just we need people. And just being in the world. Yeah, life scale. Yeah. business of everyday life. Yeah. I get this question often. How can I get my kid to clean up and just, you know, do that? And I get all ages, you know, they could be two, they could be five, they could be six. It's sort of like a, and no one likes chores. (laughs) Um, I know some of us compulsive people kind of enjoy straightening up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, one of mine is really like that. That's true. Um, but go, would you have strategies for yes, that? Yes, I'm happy to talk to you because uh, I like to give parents yeah. real hands-on stuff to yeah. do. But I want to preface this by saying self-reliance 
encompasses all areas of a child's life. Yeah. It's not just cleaning up, which I want to talk to you about. It's not just um, doing chores. It's not just um, doing, it's, it's, mm-hmm. mommy, I need some milk. Yeah. Okay, well, help yourself. Well, I can't. Well, then I guess you won't be having any milk. So what does that mean? That means if your child needs milk and you want him to be able to take care of his own needs, you put the milk in a small pitcher, a measuring cup on the bottom shelf of the fridge. Yeah. So that when he needs it, he can open the fridge and get his own milk. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is set them up to be self-reliant and successful. And independent. Yes. All of that. Well, independence and self-reliance are really very different things. Talk about that. Okay. So let's say we have twins. Oh, as a matter of fact, one of us does. (laughs) (laughs) And one, and, and it's, let's say they're four. Okay. And let's say they're boys. And you say to them, okay, guys, it's time to get ready for school. You need to go get dressed. Okay. And um, they both run off to the room. Never going to happen, but let's just say they <laughs> right. both run off to their room. <laughs> to get dressed, you're to saying? Get dressed. I'm like, where is she going? Because I can't and, picture. <laughs> and, um, and one of them sits down mm-hmm. because they're both independent. They can go off. They can yeah. sit down. They don't even live in the same rooms. Their parent has wisely given them separate rooms. They're four. You so see my yes, bias. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so one of them goes in his room and he sits down and he pulls his clothes out of the drawer and he tries his very best and maybe puts his shoes, his underpants on backwards or, you know, puts his socks on or the shoes on the wrong feet or whatever. But that's a kid who is independent, number one, because mm-hmm. he has left you and feels, has a sense that he can go by himself to do this. And he's self-reliant because he gave an, he tried to put his clothes on. Yeah. Then the number two child goes into his room independent from you, but he sits down and he says, what should I wear? Uh-huh. And mommy says, well, choose something. I can't. You choose something for me. Because all children starting at the age of three should be choosing their own clothing for I what to totally wear. totally right. So as just, that's an, that's an example of cultivating self-reliance. Yeah, even earlier. But you yes. can make your own choice even earlier. Yeah. But you would be surprised to know how many parents of four-year-olds, no, you wouldn't, you have them, yeah. are still getting their kids Yes, dressed. I do. To um, say nothing of wiping them, but that's something else. Well, I learned from you when my daughter was really little about this and because at two, she only wanted to wear a princess dress. And you said, let her wear where she wants. And I went, okay. From that day <laughs> forward, with all four of my kids, I literally am not involved. But yeah. I learned that from you. Well, I'm so glad. Hey. And the point is, if you don't want your child to be wearing her fake high heels with her princess dress, then you can say, well, the school rules are that you have to wear closed-toed shoes. So let's see what Joanna says, if it's okay. You know, I mean, there there are ways to work around it, but you're not, you're giving the child the message, you can do this. So the second child says, I can't do it. And then he finally picks up and says, I can't put this on. I can't, I can't. It's all I can't. So one is self-reliant, puts forth the effort, and one is not. They're both independent, Mm -hmm. but they're just not self-reliant. I love that. So I don't, I mean, I think you can be independent and not self-reliant. I think most kids who are self-reliant are independent. Right. I love that's interesting. Yeah. So it's true. And the two kids are from the same family, mm-hmm. the same parents, same birth. Dif- different <laughs> cocktail of genes. Yeah. Okay. So that's the getting dressed thing. But you asked about the chores, for example. Uh, or like cleaning your the cleaning the toys and putting the okay, stuff away. Because this is just a very common topic. Well, it's a very common topic and it's a problem because Unlike when you and I were raised, certainly when I raised my children, yeah. who are 41 at this point, mm. I didn't have a nanny. 
I didn't mm-hmm. have an anybody. I had someone who cleaned my toilets, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't have somebody come in and clean up my things. In today's world, having a nanny is very common. And nannies do stuff because they think they're doing their job. They don't think they're undermining your child. So they get in the habit of cleaning up the child's toys. Mm -hmm. As opposed to when that child is very young, a year old, literally, and you're holding the basket and you say, put the mm -hmm in mommy's basket. Look, you did it. You help mommy clean up and you put the basket. That's a very simple one-year-old sort of thing. Yeah. As we move on, it becomes a habit of cleaning up after yourself. Yeah. So that nothing happens until we clean everything up. Now, one of the problems, of course, is that anything after a year old, you know, it's like a hurricane and they play with this and they play with that. And I don't want to. Yeah. Well, I'm not even yeah. talking about that, that part yet. Yeah, that part, It's yeah. that they start with this and that leads to that. Oh, and yeah, you they're lo- bringing you love out that. Yeah. Right. But then your house could be crazy. Yeah. I don't believe that it's your child's job to clean everything up. I think you have to titrate your expectations of your child based Mm -hmm. on his age. Mm -hmm. So if we have an 18-month-old child, let's just say, and you've you've already started, so there is an expectation of cleaning up. Nothing else happens until he gets cleaned up. That doesn't mean you bite your kid's head off. And say you're not cleaning up, and you're you know you're going to get a timeout or some ridiculous mm-hmm. sort of thing like that. What it means is, since the beginning, you've always spent that time to put things away. I don't necessarily call it cleanup; I just put things away that we've used. So you might say to this 18 month old who's living in a sea of Thomas a Tank cars and trains mm-hmm. and cars and brushes and puppets and puzzle pieces, and it's a disaster of a room. You could say, well, let's find everything that has wheels. And put everything with wheels in this basket. I wonder how many you could find. Oh, I see one. Do you see one? And you do a couple of those things. Like make it fun. You make it fun, but you make it not torturous. And you don't go for doing the whole room. Your your expectations are? We'll do some. Yeah. You know, when your child has drawn with crayons on the wall. Oh, I have had that. We all have had it. And you don't expect him to clean, you don't expect he's going to clean up the whole wall. You give him an area and you give him the Mr. Magic sponge and you have him do a little bit of it. And you say, look at that. You were able to do that. Good for you. Yeah. So that's letting him know that what he does is good and right and helpful. And you did it is the message. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to chores or I mean chores, I mean cleanup, it's something that you start very young. Now, as they get to be older, yeah. After the, I would say after the four-year-old range, yeah. up until four, four, we do that. I do, I always help my kids to clean up. Uh-huh. I don't do all of it, but I always, always help with that. Involved, yeah, yeah because it's a chore, and you don't want it to be torture, and you don't want to fight about that. Yeah. But after the age of four, we give our kids the message that part of owning toys, having toys means putting them back when you're done with them. Yeah. And kids who put their toys back where they go get to play with them. Mm-hmm. So, what you don't if you don't put this away, that means we can't play with it. Mm-hmm. That's called a logical consequence. Mm-hmm. And so he, the child says, "I don't care, I don't want to." You say, "Okay." Mm-hmm. And then you take his very favorite dump truck and you put it up high on the shelf mm-hmm. where he can see it but can't reach it. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I want to play with that." Mhm the next day. And you say, well, you didn't clean it up yesterday. You didn't put it away. Mm -hmm. So until you learn how to put it away when you're done, we can't play with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were times when I put away a lot of stuff. 
Yeah. And they finally got the message. Natural consequence. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's actually a, a logical one. consequence. Logi- a natural related. consequence is when you don't have to do anything. Yeah. But you write re- logical one. Logical and And related. it makes sense to the kid. It's connected as exactly. opposed to, I'm taking your iPad away. It doesn't right. make any sense. Well, first I would say, why does he have an iPad? Yeah. <laughs> Get into that later. Yeah. So, yes, that's the answer mm-hmm. to... Um, and I think the reason I, I relate it to self-reliance is because so often parents just don't want to deal with this child's uncomfortableness. And so they clean up. They just do it for them. And the message is like, oh, you're uncomfortable. As opposed to or letting them be uncomfortable. I don't expect you to do it. Yeah. And my expectations of you are, I don't expect you to do that. So then they just do it for them. And that, so that's that was your number Third, your yeah. number three point, yes, and what yes. happens? How do we sabotage it? That's that's an example of that. Yeah, you know, making beds is another good example uh-huh. of this. Parents laugh when I say, "No, your child is old enough. Your three year old is old enough to make her bed." Oh my god, I never did that. <laughs> I feel well, terrible. It doesn't mean you have to. <laughs> yes, but I'm just saying but this is a way. Can. It's an expectation that yeah. we have. Nannies making kids beds is a, not a good idea. Uh-huh. But a three-year-old can put the pillow where it goes on the bed. Mm-hmm. He can line up his animals, or animals as my Daisy calls them, <laughs> where they go on the bed. That's on the road to making your bed. You did your part, and I'll do my part. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It, it won't be perfect. Right. So that when a child, it's not going to be perfect for a lot of years, if ever. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't make our kids, we we accept the job they do. Right. Because that's another saboteur is when they don't do it good enough. By the way, that's also a saboteur of husbands and wives and women expecting men to do an unreasonable job. Yeah. If, if they're participating and they're you know, great with it, dads and moms, you accept the job that that person did unless you want that person to say to you, well, I'll never do it, then do it yourself. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so expectations. Yes, uh-huh. expectations for your spouse, for your child. You yeah. have to titrate them to the child's age. Yeah. So I expect a child to have some semblance of a made bed. Yeah. There are people who don't yeah. believe children should have to make their beds. Yeah. And there are people who don't believe that adults have to make their beds. Yeah. It really depends on how you were raised. I was raised at bed making. My husband and I, we have a big bed, make it together every day. You do. Every day. And my and a nanny has never made my bed or made made my wow. children's beds. My kids are adults. They make their beds. Wow. As adults. Wow. I yeah. And one day when you have a little extra time, you're going to watch a wonderful video called Make Your Bed, made by a Navy SEAL, oh. who talks about the simple task of making your bed. It's a great video. I will. That's awesome. Interesting, huh? <laughs> yes. So what we're trying to do here with the, with the tasks mm-hmm. and the business of everyday life is to expect that your kids can be can do things for themselves. Expect it. Yeah. I expect you to make your bed. I say to parents sometimes, if he can do it, he should do it. So think right. about that. When you walk into school, he should be holding his own stuff. 100%. Why are you carrying it? Right. If why are you can, carrying him? If he can and why walk, are you carrying his lunchbox? If he can walk in, why are you carrying him? Can he put his shoes in his cubby? Yeah, then he should do it. So, and it, so, but that's the expectation. I, you can do it, you do it. You know, so but parents forget that sometimes. They really, really do. You know? You're saying something really interesting that I was going to say before and I forgot. Go ahead. Sometimes we 
expect a child to be self-reliant as a form of punishment. Mm. It's interesting. In other words, being self-reliant gets to be like a bad result of something. You know what? Just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. I told you to you did, just do it yourself. Yeah. Like doing it yourself is like the a punishment. Bad thing. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So and when you it made me think of it when you said that. Um, parents need to model self-reliance. Yeah. By the way, we don't there are a lot of people who don't do it. I you know, I need daddy to change that light bulb. Yeah. I need mommy, I'm gonna ask Maria to, you know, whatever it is, as opposed to modeling doing it yourself. Yeah. So our kids are watching us be self-reliant, watching us say things like, gosh, I worked so hard to figure out how to do that on the computer. It was really hard. And I did it. Yeah. I worked on it so long. I'm so proud of myself. And I bet you felt frustrated while you were doing it. Oh my it. gosh. Anything computer, I feel frustrated. But the <laughs> but point I'm is, saying, your kid yeah. is watching you be frustrated and work on it and be, uh, now I can do this computer myself. Yeah. Win-win self-reliance. And feel good. Yeah, yeah, and feel good about it. There are ways that we involve ourselves in our kids' lives every day that smack of dependence as opposed mm-hmm. to self-reliance. Mm-hmm. For example, kids making lunches. I don't know if your kids in nursery school make their lunch, no. bring lunches, or you uh, serve it. No, the pre-K do, yes. So there's every, I mean, you could say to the child, I'm going to make your main course, your sandwich, mm-hmm. and you can pick out your fruit. Go to the fridge, get the fruit you want to bring, and wash it and put it in your lunch. So you're responsible for it. Children seven years old and older should be making their own A five-year-old lunches. can do that. Yes, but they don't. Five-year-olds right. don't. Most right. parents don't ask them to. Yes. So it's making your lunches. It's... Um, Doing your homework. Parents mm-hmm. who sit down and say, well, are you doing it right? Do you need my help? Wait. All those are ways that yeah. we give children the message that I don't think you can do it yourself. Yeah. When you grow up in a home where the message is, oh, you can't do it. As an adult, the result, I would assume, is that you're somebody who is not so confident feeling that you can do things. Like it can really affect you. And the opposite, if you grow up in a home where you're expected to do all this by yourself. You kind of can get through adverse stuff in life and you're able to barrel through and do be frustrated more easily than somebody who, you know what that's I mean? That's called being resilient. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I said at the beginning. You're yeah. absolutely right. That in order for children yeah. to be able to um, tolerate mm-hmm. the bumps and the, they have to struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, you said something that made me, remi- that reminded me of my mother who's been gone many years, but, I think one of the greatest gifts my mother gave to me Mm. was resourcefulness. Mm. My mother was really resourceful. I'm really resourceful. My kids are really resourceful. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is figuring out what it is that needs to be done, or how do you get that done, or maybe we should try one of these, or maybe we should do it that way. So the way we talk to children actually not only encourages their resourcefulness, but it also encourages their self-reliance, their yeah. sense of I can do it. So if a kid says, Mommy, I don't this keeps falling. I don't know how to do this. Help me with this. You could say, Well, gosh, let's figure out how we can do that. What yeah. can we do? What do you think? C- can you find a block that would make this be stronger? Or so we encourage mm-hmm. there instead of jumping in and fixing mm-hmm. and solving, we encourage them to do it. Yeah. Which leads me to one of my the things that I say to parents, which is your job is not to be a director. 
Mm-hmm. Your job is to be a consultant. Ah, oh, yeah. So your child comes to you and you help your child to come up with an idea for himself rather than do this, do that, do this, do that. If you look at your daily life, it happens all over the place where we're telling them what to do as opposed to talking with them about what they think they should do. Yeah. Your kids. And you don't even realize you're doing it. No. I want to underscore that I believe that experience really is the best teacher. And we have to allow our children the experience of doing things, of making mistakes, of doing it wrong, of doing it right, of doing it over. Yeah. Without placing our judgment on them. I very much believe mm-hmm. in creating a sense of pride in our kids by saying, you know, wow, you did that all by yourself. You must feel so good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. And enough times he's going to start doing it automatically. He will do it. There are going to be times when he doesn't do it. Nothing is perfect. Yeah. There are going to be exceptions to every rule because lousy local conditions happen. You're out too late. Too many birthday parties, too many errands. Life doesn't always work the way you want it to. But I do think that having the expectation there and knowing that there will be exceptions is the best, leads to the best experience. And it's from experience that we learn the most about self reliance. Thank you so much. This was really great. Well, you're so welcome. Happy to have been here. Yeah. For more info or to schedule a parent consultation with Betsy, please go to her website, www.betsybrownbrawn.com. Thanks for joining us. If you have questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at joanna at parentingportal.com. If you want to learn more about our experts or to schedule a consult with me or a speaking engagement, or you just have a parenting question you need answered, go to parentingportal.com. And remember, parenting is so, so hard. Give yourself a break. You're doing a great job and do something for yourself today. Mm